The first lesson today is from Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of the Lord. A reading from Revelation. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, for the accuser of all our comrades has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not cling to life even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens and those who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Again Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And then the Jewish leaders said, "What well, is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means by saying, where I'm going, you cannot come? Jesus said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins, unless you believe I am he. And they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, 
Why do, you, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Please be seated. Well, first I should say Happy Easter because it is still Easter for 50 days and we have that long stretch of Easter, not just one Sunday, so that we can contemplate what resurrection really means for us. It doesn't mean one thing, it means many, and so we have 50 days, seven Sundays, to get our head around it. And today, we're, we're trying to get our head around it by contemplating the life of St. George, patron saint of England, and it, I think some of our folks who normally here are coming at 10.30 to have their tartans blessed because it's sort of a celebration of the British Isles as well. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about George and then what on earth that has to do with the resurrection of Christ and how that affects the resurrected life we're called to live right now. At least that's the plan. Um, <clears throat> two things about George. The earlier story about George is that he was one of the first and most famous Christian martyrs in England during the reign of the Emperor Diocletian. If you know anything about him, he reigned uh, about 290 to 304 of the Common Era or AD. And Diocletian is the first emperor to actively persecute Christians. That is, he looked throughout the empire for Christians by evidence of their worship, and if he found them, he killed them. George was one of these people. Uh, George's insignia might be very familiar to you. It was a red cross on a shield, which is actually where the Episcopal shield comes from if you've seen it. And George is one of these famous martyrs. So the stories sort of say that Diocletian had found that he was Christian and the local governor tried to kill him many times by throwing him into a fire, but George was too holy and the fire went out. By trying to cut him in half with the sword, but George was too holy and the sword broke into pieces. Finally, George had to let himself be killed uh, during the persecution, and so he was held up for about a thousand years as this famous martyr. And think about what martyrdom means. It's really tempting, I think, for us to think these are people with supernatural powers that faced, faced supernatural temptations and did not give in. The truth is a martyr is somebody who faces ordinary temptations and does not give in. Ordinary ones like, I'll just give up now. Life will be easier if I just give up. That thing I'm trying to do with my children, it's just not working, it's so tiring. I'll just give up and let them play video games all day. A martyr is somebody who resists giving up. 
There are too many poor people in the world to help. I just give up. A martyr is somebody who resists giving up in the face of regular or insurmountable odds, either one. And that's what martyr means, to bear witness. A martyr is someone who bears witness to fidelity to God's long-term commitment, no matter what the adversity is. That's the earliest memory of George. The more interesting one, I think, comes around 1300. So this is much newer, this story. And, And it's iconic because the St. George's Cross, which is sort of the equivalent of the Congressional Medal of Honor, sure enough has St. George on top of his steed, with a dragon underneath. If you're interested, I used to live in Malta, and this is actually the Maltese flag, and when Malta became its own uh, nation in the 1960s, they split from being a British colony. They bore part of their Anglican heritage on their own flag, because during World War II, they suffered heavily from bombing, as did many other places, and Britain awarded them the St. George's Cross to the entire nation, right? So this is still the Maltese flag today. Well, what's the deal with the dragon story, and what on earth does it have to do with God and the resurrection? Um, that's, that's the rabbit I'm trying to pull out of the hat. <laughs> The story's in your bulletin, and it comes really, it's a shortened version of what you could read in a book called The Golden Legend. The Golden Legend tells these really famous lives of the saints, um, and they're very embellished. It's, it's curious to read about St. Thomas, to be honest, but we're talking about George. The story says that a long time ago in England was a small village close to a lake. Everything was very normal until one day a dragon flew in and the dragon became a resident of the lake. So it's an underwater dragon like Nessie, but it can also breathe fire. And the dragon comes out and wrecks havoc in the village, eats people, attacks them, and somehow the villagers come to an agreement with the dragon, maybe it could talk, that they'll give the dragon an offering of of livestock if the dragon will leave them alone. So they go every week to feed two sheep to the dragon, and the dragon keeps the deal. It works great until they run out of sheep. And then what will they do? And this is where the story gets a little bit chilling. The residents of the village decide that the safety of the village is the most important thing, and so somebody gets the idea that since there are no more lambs to give the dragon, By random selection, they'll offer the dragon their children on a weekly basis. So this happens. Each week there's a lottery. The winning ticket is the losing ticket. And those children are offered to the dragon. This continues actually for some time until finally the daughter of the king has her ticket pulled. It's a lot like the draft, if you think about it. So here she is drafted, and the king says, no, I will not send my daughter to be eaten by some dragon. And there's almost a revolt, because the people say, you have sent our children, you will most certainly send yours. The king asks for a week so that he can grieve and try to think through how to get out of it, being the king and all. And they grant him an extra week. But after a week, he has no plan, and so 
the daughter actually goes on her own. The king would still withhold her even at the cost of, of war. The daughter goes, and on that fateful morning, says the legend, George is just walking by, and he sees her and says, wow, you look really dour, what's the problem? And she says, get out of here before you lose your life. I'm just warning you, I'm, I'm on my way to save my village, but you can't help, and if you're around me, you'll be killed. And, and, and George, uh, not to be dismayed, says, tell me more. <laughs> sort of at that moment, the dragon emerges from the lake. The oldest version of this story, the oldest version, the one you'll find in the Golden Legend, this is really interesting, does not have George just stab and kill the dragon. He sort of, he sort of bamboozles the dragon with saintly magic, I guess that's what saints have, and puts a chain around the dragon and starts to lead it into town. <laughs> the people in town are panicking. This is exactly what they didn't want. That's why they were sending the kids out there, right? To keep the evil at bay. And they say, you're going to ruin us, George. Somehow they knew his name. And, and George says, listen, we can defeat this dragon forever. Just come to the lake and be baptized. So the town, I guess, seeing that baptism is preferable to being consumed by a dragon, they all go and they convert right there, including the king, and are baptized by George with the dragon sitting there kind of zonked down on a chain. And then in the oldest story, the dragon just disappears. You can read some other stories. There's a children's book where George fights for days with the sword and the lance and finally finds the weakness and bests the dragon. That's, that's a great story too, but it's not the original story. The original story is that after the town converts, the dragon is gone. It's interesting to think about what this story offers to teach us, I think. Because in the Revelation reading, we hear that a war broke out in heaven and that the war is between the dragon who represents sin with a capital S does anybody know what that is according to the prayer book? In the catechesis of the good shepherd, sin is, somebody said it, separation from God. The dragon is separation from God and it is death with a capital D, not the one we die after an illness or we've acquired years, D, capital D, which by the way means separation from God. There is a war in heaven between the powers that would separate us from God and the God who says, I will go with you even to the cross and the grave. It's not really a war because the dragon cannot win. And in the story, what do you know? There's a dragon who is separating people from God it is a force of evil that the people themselves are feeding their future to. They are feeding their children to this monster because they think it will keep them from being separate from God. How interesting 
that once they're baptized, once they change their trust and their faith, the dragon goes away. I think the story is really asking us to consider where we fundamentally put our trust. And part of the reason I think this vanquishment and, and this story about sin and death being personified in this, in this mighty mythological animal is so important to hear and so consonant with the resurrection story is because on Holy Saturday, says the Greek Orthodox Church, is when Christ descended into, descended into hell, right? This is an eight o'clock service, right? One, you know this. Descended into hell and burst it open right? Harrowed it. Broke the gates open. And this is really interesting if you know uh, theologian C.S. Lewis who says hell is only eternal if we choose that. The dragon is only real if we serve it and feed it. And this is part of the resurrection story is that through Christ and through our trust in God's future and in God's presence, we have this opportunity either to live in the clutches of the dragon, to live in hell on earth, or to live a resurrected life. And it depends on where we put our trust. And the Joshua story says it very well. When you go into the land I'm giving you, that is the kingdom of God, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and put your trust in the God who has harrowed hell, in the one who has delivered you from the snatches and the clutches of the dragon. Now I don't want to sound foolish and naive because I know that physical death happens and I know that frankly God's not interested in overturning that. If God didn't want us to die, our bodies would be made of iridium but they're not. If God didn't want us to die, God would not have appointed the span of human life to be 120 years, as the scripture reads. But God did appoint that, and so far it's borne out pretty true, right? I think 119's the record. No, that is not the kind of death that Christ came to overthrow. He came to overthrow death with a capital D which amounts to a life in which we live separate from God's intention. And quite honestly, it's very easy for us to hear this story about George and think that life is made up of extraordinary moments of defying celestial monsters, but the truth is the saints in my life were people who lived very ordinary lives in supernatural ways. Saints or people like my mother, as mother and teacher, uh, teacher first, who graded tests the night they were given and returned them the next day so that students could learn from their test. And she didn't have boldness or flair in the classroom. She did her work every day. She knew her students' handwriting, and she took the time to show them when they made a mistake in a math problem through corrections on the test, where they went wrong and how it would have been different if they'd done it right. Ordinary job.
supernatural way of doing it. Ordinary parent. Supernatural heart. You know these people. These are the saints in your lives. They haven't slain dragons that come out of the water, but the truth is what they have done is joined God in vanquishing sin with a capital S and D with a capital D because of their faithfulness day in and day out in small and mediocre tasks. And as with George, we are called to join their ranks. We are called to live the resurrected life now by being faithful in ordinary things by supernaturally investing ourselves if we're dentists in cleaning teeth, in bringing food to people who have none as we shop, in being faithful in the small things. And what Easter and George both tell us is that when we do those things, ultimately we are vanquishing the dragons of sin and death in our world even if it feels like we're just bringing some groceries to church. Especially when it feels like we're just doing the dishes again. Or when we're washing feet knowing that they'll get dirty again. Of course they will. And we'll be faithful the next time. And this is the call of the resurrected life because when we do those tiny things over and over and over and over again, we're really showing our trust and as Jesus used in the gospel, that we believe in him. Believe that we trust him enough to come back over and over and over again because ordinary things in God's hands become extraordinary and vanquish the powers that would separate us from God's love and presence on earth. So in the spirit of St. George, be strong and courageous. Christ is risen and calls us to live the risen life today.